0: I feel like my my mouth is like too sloppy. <laughs> I gotta gargle some water. That was a ramble. That's meaningless. I was going somewhere, but I think it fell apart.
1: <laughs> Welcome back to another Engineering. Woo! I'm, a- I'm Adam. I'm Brian. I feel like every time I say welcome back like that, I, like, I kind of <laughs> say it like I'm
0: surprised. you know. <laughs> I, I'm always wondering if you're talking to me or if you're talking to the audience.
1: Uh, I did <laughs> a, a few times I've been talking to you, and it's been very pleasant because you're like, oh, why, thank you. <laughs> it's very uh, confusing. Mostly, I feel like I'm just surprised that we're still, that it persists.
0: <laughs> yeah, for sure. This is impressive. This is our longest running project for sure, by by like uh, hundreds of thousands of times. Right.
1: So, so today is our first on this uh, uh, since our format switch of splitting out the the hit list. So today is going to be nothing but sweet, juicy, single topic. Oh yeah, real focused,
0: deep dive. Real. And we're going to talk about what do you want? You want to introduce it? Uh, we're going to talk about web crawling and search engines and uh, information and stuff.
1: <laughs> it kind of, it's, it's... Did I get that right? <laughs> right, that's right,
0: yeah. Information. Nice, you know, narrow topics. Um, Let me rewind. Information's not one of the topics. <laughs> I felt like I needed to say more it's than the, what I said.
1: It's It's certainly like the It'll fabric... It's it's the fabric that all the rest of the stuff we're going to talk about is built on. Um, but so uh, first, before that though, I had a thought as I was booting up the system here, and I realized that when I, I'm using my laptop, which has it, it's it's basically fanless. Um, it it has a solid state hard drive basically there's there are no moving parts in it anymore. and I realized that we've we've now built these devices that are real satisfying because you click them on and it's like boop, boop oh there's my computer. but mm-hmm. like, remember what it used to be like booting up a, a computer oh my God like in the early 90s with a floppy drive that was like like compared to how smoothly my laptop just turned on it sounds like starting a lawnmower <laughs> can totally oh oh, floppy disk drives were so loud and in such a grating way like just big
0: mechanical parts it's still it's still mechanical the fundamental computer operates by mechanics but it's just really really small shit that doesn't make noise that we hear right there isn't like a disc of plastic spinning (laughs) right thing going
1: "Eh, eh, 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 eh,"
0: to read it which is cool we just we just reduced everything to microscopic tiny little shit that it's amazing it's really amazing
1: but the problem i was having is i had to reboot it after it froze (laughs) and i couldn't tell if the reboot was happening because everything was so silent that i just had to (laughs) kind of hold the button and go
0: well i've done the thing that should start it (laughs) i used to put my ear down to my computer sometimes to debug what was going on (laughs) like, I'd put my ear against it and be like, oh, I can hear that oh, thing going. Oh, it's running. Okay. The, the, so, it's checking the drive. The gizmo's going, but the widget's not making any noise. <laughs> how do I fix that with software? <laughs> mm, do we have any duct tape?
1: <laughs> Which, the idea of how do I fix that with software ends up being a pretty good segue into what we're going to talk about. Oh, yeah. So, to yeah. get to search engines and... uh. Web crawlers and all that kind of stuff that like some people have heard about, some people haven't. Search engines, uh, like people use Google every day. It's become a, it's a it's become a verb. To go, it is Google the internet for most people, right? and no one really knows how it works. But the first step to try and understand what Google's doing <laughs> when you type a question in and it gives you an answer, or it gives you pages that contain the answer, is you got to you got to kind of break down the pieces of what the internet is and then what the world wide web is but there's one thing we got to hit first which is way top level the point of a search engine is to satisfy the query that you put in it right like what's Mm -hmm. a good search engine is the question like what makes you pick a search engine over another search engine and some of that's going to be context because some are better at other things different things right but just broadly when you go to google you want a thing to happen right and so google's job is going to be to make that thing happen or else you're going to go to the place where it does
0: they need to return what you're looking for which exactly. is an, a, a wildly complicated thing to do with a right computer. right Incre- they need to answer it's like the, your question it's which, like the hardest in, thing that's ever been done
1: like which involves and they need to answer your question better than the other guy or they or you're going to go there and give them your mm-hmm. traffic instead which is how google makes their money because they feed you ads based on You coming to them for the answers to their questions, Mm -hmm. to your questions. And so that gets so crazy so fast because there's all these like, so it's what is good? Like, what's your motivation? What's there's so many weird human questions you're trying to figure out just in order to serve you the best result.
0: Well, there's there's a very noticeable uh skill set that people have if you watch them interact with search engines some people haven't done nearly as much searching or haven't thought about it and so the way people search on google is very different it's very distinct and so some people will ask questions some people will put in keywords some people will like kind of try to guess what the search engine is doing and the search engine has to take your three words and try to come up with some sort of context Uh, and then return results that maybe fit your context. Like think of the crazy things that people probably put into search engines all day. Have you ever seen the Google, I forget who made it like, uh, uh, mad TV or something. They have a sketch online. They've done like six or seven of them that are, if Google were a person and it's a guy in an office (laughs) and they just have random people come in the office and say their search. And then he has to like, guess what they're trying to do. And he tries to like hand them a physical document. Right. Uh, it's, it's, they're really funny sketches. Definitely look them up.
1: So my thing is, can you try to? What's the most baseline understanding you kind of have to have before you can get to, like pre-World Wide Web, right? Because if you uh, if you look up the history yeah. of this stuff, people are like, and then the World Wide Web was invented, so there was something <laughs> before that. What was that?
0: Uh, there were just a bunch of computers that were connected over really long distances, and you could share files. Essentially, we should keep everything in the in the concept of files right now. Right, so like, absolutely. if you had a you had like a word document or like a paper you'd written, you could send it to people. Uh, They could get it. Um, And so the internet... I don't know exactly where the line is drawn, but essentially just think about all of a sudden we were like, hey, let's run some wires across the country and hook a bunch of universities up so that they can send papers to each other. Things like that. Email.
1: And so then the next step that they took was, you know, these computers can talk to one another while we're not here. Like we don't have to be here for these computers to keep talking to one another. I feel like that's maybe... You could call that the advent of the internet because like peer to peer, I'm going to send you a message. Even if the con- connection is persistent, it was still sort of this bulletin board thing of like, I'm going to send a message over here and then he's mm-hmm. going to send
0: it. It was, it was email. It was still sort of postal. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, was still, it was still like make the computer do something and send this right. thing. And, um, but so, but- so we got from there to this sort of persistent thing
1: of like, oh wait, if these two computers talk all the time, We can do a a different, cooler thing with it.
0: Yeah, I think the I guess the change probably was uh, the idea of I'm going to put uh, I'm going to put these documents on my computer in a way that you can just access them whenever you want. Instead of like more traditional secure, like I'm going to establish a secure connection between our computers and I'm going to send you like an encrypted file because I don't want everyone reading my paper. Someone was just like, uh, I do want everyone reading my paper. Uh, I'm just going to put it on my computer where it's public. And then someone invented, uh, I think, HTML. And so what you're talking about is they came up with not HTML, but HTTP,
1: which you type before every web address. And it stands for Hypertext Transfer Protocol, right? I think. Mm -hmm. Which was the protocol that in order to take part in the World Wide Web you have to have a localized copy of the rules for how this works. And everyone agrees to follow the rules. And it's really easy to maintain those rules because if you don't agree to follow the rules, you just don't get to see web pages, (laughs) Like there's no, there's no like, Oh, he's breaking the rules, but he still gets to be here. It's not like the stinky kid that shows up and he's kind of like, well, I really wish he would shower, but he still gets to hang out with the group because (laughs) his parents dropped him off. Like if the computer doesn't do the right thing,
0: it just doesn't get to talk
1: to the other. It just won't
0: work. Yeah, right. if you go to a web page and it's not working, you just get a blank page or you get an error message. And so HTTP
1: is the protocol for transferring HTML, which is the thing that you see at the end of all of your web addresses, or at least you used to now they use yeah. all kinds of different coding languages. Now it's but nice. that stands for hypertext markup language, which is the language that you use to tell other systems that are taking part in the transfer protocol
0: how a web page should look. Mm-hmm. And that was the birth of the World Wide Web. Yeah, yeah it was really simple when it's when it started off. That's all. That's that was the goal. The goal was let's set up uh, documents, articles, newspaper articles, or research papers, or whatever, and just put them out there where. And tell a bunch of people, say, hey, here's a little application you can run on your computer. And if you do it, you can read newspaper articles that these 10 universities have put up or these research papers that these 10 professors have put up on a website, a website that no one knew what a website was at the time. It was was just a way to look at information.
1: So we grew up during a really interesting time when for, in my memory, it's like a year, but at that age, it could honestly have been six weeks. I have no idea Hmm. where everyone within our group of friends like you woody craig like like everybody in our kind of immediate group of 10 friends
0: (laughs) computer nerds computer nerds to be clear completely
1: (laughs) Uh, but we all had websites but you had to know the other person's address so it would be like let me type it in because it would be members.aol.com slash something 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 (laughs) slash something something dot html unless you knew that address you couldn't go to the site Mm -hmm. um And we were building stupid sites and having things where it was like, you would go home at night and we would figure out how to make a thing blink
0: and then come in and be like,
1: now my title blinks, bitch. So much
0: stuff blinks. (laughs) Craig made a logo for me one time that spun. That was so cool. Yeah,
1: that was so, and it was, God, we, I like, it's one of those things where I think they might still exist in the Wayback Machine if we could go look at them. Um, I still have all my old websites, I think which is something like we should double back to but yeah i wish i'd kept the code of some of those ones that like like and there were a couple of cool teachers that let us do book reports and stuff where instead of handing in a folder full of pages we were allowed to actually make a web page
0: we had a whole class uh our senior year where we put all of our papers um, we didn't we put all our papers up on a website that we made as part of the class it was really cool i had I think I actually have that running on my personal website right now. If, if you know where it is, it's not, I don't have it searchable. But so, so this created a problem though, which was the idea that
1: everyone, you could just put a thing out there and instead of it having to be that only your immediate colleagues saw a thing, you could say, but there started to be a problem where if you didn't know that person personally, or if you weren't first or second degree connected with them to get the address for that site, then you couldn't you, you couldn't find that you'd site there's no way to know their... that it existed yeah and that's how we get very quickly skipping off the top of everything to search engines and i think the first one i remember was yahoo um but there were a bunch
0: yeah let's think of some there was lycos uh, lycos there was uh, the one that had the spider Alta Vista, Alta Altavist, Vista, MetaCrawler.
1: So the MetaCrawler one was the first one where somebody was like, "I don't need to build a search engine; I'll just aggregate results from all the other search engines." So oh, MetaCrawler yeah. would run a search on Alta Vista, Lycos, Yahoo, and so uh, first search engines were just a manually populated registry of search en- of 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 websites. You could submit. Okay. You could submit your site to be on Yahoo. I remember it because I did it. Oh, yeah. And so you can technically you dis- still submit your site yeah, to go right. Google, you, I think. You right. can still do it, right? But the only way to get on Yahoo was to send them a thing that said, hey, I got a site. It's over here. And then you would put in a couple lines about what it's about. Um, and that was better than no one knowing anything unless they knew you socially. But it still wasn't the best way to find what you were looking for. And... It broke down really fast once there were just too once many pages. Everyone once there were so many websites going online, which started right. started happening really, really fast. Yeah, we should have looked up a chart of that. And so then what you were talking about with the links is the part this is this is how Google rises to prominence.
0: Well, this is this is how uh, everybody, all the all the search engines immediately after I don't know, weeks, months. I have no idea how quickly this stuff picked up. Probably really fast. We went from like dozens of web pages to hundreds to thousands. Probably within a a year or two, we had millions or hundreds of millions. I don't know. We should have looked up a chart. I bet it's really interesting. Well,
1: and so then the struggle starts being, as soon as there are more than one answer for, I want to find a website about harmonicas. Like once there's two, now people are like, wow, which one should I click on? I want to go to the best one. And so they started having a struggle of how do we, now the problem is actually, we need to make sure we can get all the results or we want to get all the results, including the ones that are not in our registry because they were manually put there. Mm -hmm. And we also need to try to come up with a way to rank them so that we can give people a list of here are the 10 best results based on
0: X so the the first round of attempting that that the original search engines did was they used a lot there are a lot of different methods a lot of sort of like mathematical or academic methods that you can use to analyze a piece of text and try to figure out what's this piece of text about like what are the important words like what are the rare words in here that normally wouldn't be in text if i looked at a thousand documents and that You use these little tricks. It's like, oh, this document's probably about this because if you looked at a thousand random articles, this topic wouldn't come up and it's in this paper. So the first search engines did some stuff like that where basically I would search for really simplifying it. I would search for blues harmonica and they would just, the search engine would look through the 10,000 websites that they had manually indexed or that they'd pulled all the information about and say, here are the five pages, like the five documents that I found blues harmonica in. Um, uh, roughly i think this one's most relevant but really they were kind of just showing you documents where a word showed up
1: but you mentioned a thing in there that's important to explain indexing so the thing that w- that we kind of left out that happens is once you manually submit a website what the search engine would do their first layer was okay how are we going to rank these things and they said well let's do it based on how well it appears to address the topic and they did that by sweeping through or crawling through teaching their computer how to take all of the code sequentially, look through it, mark every word, like take note of every word that occurs, and then put it in a place in such a way that when people search for those words, we can quickly pull up, oh, this word's in this page, this word's in that page, this is why they might be relevant. But so that indexing process was automated. And that's what that that's where you can talk about
0: how a crawler works. Let's talk about right? that for a second cuz that's a that's a, that's a really important part of all of this. Yeah, so the indexing process, it, I mean it's really straightforward. It's just it's just using those links that we started to talk about. You tell the computer go to go to adamkerpelman.com or zengineeringpodcast.com zen and the computer loads the first page, whatever page loads at that website. And then it pulls every single link on that page, no matter what the link is to, no matter what it is, it pulls it and it says, I'm now going to go load those pages. So it starts by looking at one page, then maybe it pulls 10 links, like the link to our Facebook page, to our SoundCloud page. Maybe we have links to other things, we've written articles or something. And so then it goes to those, it follows those links is the term, and then it goes and loads those pages and it does the same thing. And so you do that a few iterations and all of a sudden on the internet, you've looked at a billion web pages. And so these, they're called crawlers or spiders and they just, they literally, you, you turn them on and if you don't, you don't have to tell them, you don't have to limit anything. You can just turn them on and they'll literally just go out and repeat that process over and over and over again and download every single document they find on the web. Right.
1: And so the, the thing, the thing that's a step back that you have to to remember with all this stuff is when you look at a website and they get, you know, progressively more complicated and they look really like, it, they feel now they didn't used to feel this way and so I think it's easier for us to wrap our heads around this but like when you look at a site now it feels like a thing that you drew that you designed in a graphic program and and like they're really super advanced they were but just at the text core back in the day. of all of that yeah the core of all of that is still just code like you can literally go pull the code from a website print it out and now it'll be hundreds of pages but it used to be when we first started out it used to be it was like- just text with a few two little... pages. And yeah. we literally would make these websites in a text editor where you would just write up the code and then put it on a server, load it with the thing to read the code, and you would get a picture. And it was it was a really cool, satisfying thing because you would like put a line of code in that's supposed to make it blink, you refresh your site and then it blinks. It's like, oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> there were years
0: there were years of web before there were ever even pictures involved. Yes. Yeah, totally. It was just raw information to begin with. And Which so, it still is.
1: And so what the crawlers are doing is like they're not so much, it's not like they're looking at your site. Well, we'll get to it later. They kind of are looking at your site now. But originally it was just suck in all of that code sequentially. Anytime there's a link, set it aside, you're gonna do that next. And then otherwise, and then the indexing part is what an indexing algorithm is is essentially doing is just reorganizing the stuff that is. On your site, it's organized so that it looks good. It's organized to achieve the stuff that makes it look good and makes the stuff happen for the user that you want to have happen. When a site is indexed, they're reordering that information to put it in their database in a way that's easier to use for a completely different purpose, which is to try to rank your site and make it so that other people can find your site as quickly as possible. And so that means pulling out certain details that they need, dropping other certain details that they need. And so when your site is indexed, it ends up being an entry in a database that has the address, what they think your site is about, the different occurrences of certain keywords, all kinds of different stuff, right? And so how good a search engine is at returning a result, has to do with their indexing algorithm. And so that's what
0: like when you talk about, oh, this search engine's better than that search engine. Well they all they all do the same thing these days. There was a fundamental shift between the original search engines and Google that gave Google a major advantage. And it was uh sergey and larry sergey brin and larry page they're the founders of google they were getting their phd at the time and they were doing it on like search algorithms in the web or something like that and so they came up with something that they call PageRank. previously what had been done was there were traditional uh like analysis methods where you can look at a document and i can kind of kind of programmatically tell you what it's about. I could look at an article about blues harmonicas and like maybe I can tell you it's about blues harmonicas or maybe the computer can tell you it's about blues harmonicas, but it can't tell you like, is this article better than this other one about blues harmonicas? Is it more relevant? It just, it's not very good at searching things.
1: The revelation that those guys had that made Google dominate and, and they have not stopped dominating since was PageRank. Mm-hmm. And PageRank, it's really, it's just this Eureka thing where they were like, wait a minute. Here's how, here's how these should be ranked. And it didn't have to do with keywords and all that kind of stuff. I mean, that all factors into it, but talk about PageRank and what the revelation was there.
0: So PageRank, essentially what PageRank did is they said, okay, all of a sudden we have, we have billions of documents on the internet, or maybe at the time millions or hundreds of millions. And so... Uh, And they're all linking to each other as a way for you to get around on the internet.
1: So part of this is they saw an infrastructure building up that was based on the fact that you couldn't go to a search engine yet. So you had to follow another person's reference point to try to get around the web to different things. Mm -hmm. And you were talking about web rings, and those were kind of like people would, you know, uh, people that cared about Dungeons and Dragons would make a Dungeons and Dragons web ring. Mm-hmm. And that would be like a thousand sites that all got together. And we're like, we don't know each other, but we're talking about the same thing. We're all going
0: to link. Let's to each set other. up a,
1: an interlinking network. Right. And so-, and so
0: the page rank, they said, well, it's not reasonable for me to take like information that's on your page to tell what it's about. Cause people were already sorting starting to game the system. They're like, Oh, well I'm going to put the word blues harmonic on my page a thousand times. So I show up first because everything was really, it was that simplistic at the time. Um And so, PageRank now said, I don't care what's on your physical page anymore. I care about the pages that link to you. So if you are linked to by 100 pages that are also talking about Blues Harmonica, you're probably the most important Blues Harmonica site because you've got the most links to you from Blues Harmonica pages. And so that's basically it. It just said you have you're more important because other people have chosen to link to you. Um, And that made an unbelievable difference. If you were around when we transitioned from uh, traditional search engines to Google, they killed it. The information was so much better that it was night and day. You all of a sudden could find good, useful, valuable, the best. It was answering your questions. Search engines were, were almost not useful. They just kind of gave you a list of things.
1: And the thing that's always been fascinating to me about that is what they stumbled on. And I really don't know if they were thinking this way or not, but you can kind of see it in hindsight is they, they noticed that when you're given a communication medium like this, people start to be social with it. Like what they, they realized that people were already creating social communities Mm -hmm. and social networks. Of people that cared about the same things and they realized you could harness that force to actually figure out which were the most important things right. and which were the best things. totally and, and that I was don't so the right way to classify things
0: yeah that Google has never stopped being the leader and I don't think that was ever <laughs> that probably wasn't talked about like that at the time because there weren't social networks the concept of Facebook and stuff didn't exist I don't think when Google came around so But that really is that really is what it is. It was we they were they were capitalizing on human curated social networking amongst like documents that people were putting on the Internet. And that's where it came from. So they really are search engines wouldn't at that point and at that time and even kind of now search engines don't work without humans kind of doing the work like we were doing the work to organize that stuff and google just came up with a clever way to aggregate a billion documents at once and then take it to the next level well and
1: that's the interesting the interesting thing to me is they didn't they didn't it's not like a it's not like a crowdsourcing idea they weren't like hey people do this for us instead it emerged instead of us doing it we just started doing it so this Mm -hmm. idea that like social networks are some sort of construct of technology and companies is, is sort of a flawed way of looking at it. Totally we were true. given a communication technology and we, the first thing we did with it was try to talk to other people Absolutely, yep. and connect with other people. It, it
0: came entirely out of that. And
1: the, these guys, and, and I remember reading about PageRank many years ago, and that's when I was like, Oh shit. And I went and bought as much Google stock as I could. Cause they haven't, they have a, a patent on this. No one else can use exactly their algorithm to perform search stuff. I mean, they, they're allowed to reverse engineer it so they can kind of guess at what it is and try to, I mean, everybody,
0: you can't tell the difference anymore between modern search. Yeah, no. I mean, they're all kind of running on the same thing. But
1: when I heard that, I was like, Oh, this is, yeah, that absolutely makes sense. And so what's what the interesting conversation is like, That social aspect and the the sort of the page rank thing. And it's worth mentioning that now Google is way more complicated. Like they have continued with the same idea of what is a good site and what is a good answer for the query that you put in. And it's so crazily multi-layered now at this point, trying to figure out what going on. There's a, there's a lot is.
0: going on. I bet Again. that's still pretty core. I bet that's still a, a large part of what's going on. Oh, yeah. The general and that's why when,
1: when I talk to people but, about marketing, like content is still really important, putting up yeah. blog posts, making videos, things like that. Because when people come to you for content, And link
0: to your content, it's still the highest value thing that you can do. It still comes back to human improve your presence. Human achieved popularity. Right. Make some
1: shit that people want to see.
0: Yeah. And they'll go, oh hey, check this out, guys. Yep. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But the
1: the thing that's interesting, and and we always kind of refer to this as the strange gray area, is I remember once we were, I was down visiting you and you were talking me through like how you actually build a crawler which you talked about earlier and i remember going wait so you are literally going through every line of code in a website and you're saving it into your database and you're like yep
0: weird it's weird weird concept i was like
1: that's legal that's allowed (laughs) you can just do that
0: sort of it's i don't think it's exactly. technically allowed exactly
1: your answer was like you uh, yeah uh.
0: yeah well it's, what's
1: it not allowed by
0: i don't think that i'm supposed to take like a company writes a say the wall street journal writes an article i i can't i don't know I, so copyright? i don't know but i know that it's sort of a copyright thing i'm not allowed so i think i think where you run into the problem is with exactly what Google does. Google goes to the Wall Street Journal's website. It downloads every news article the Wall Street Journal has ever written. And then when I perform a search for like, uh, uh, I don't know, like ISIS attack, right? It returns me a bunch of articles that New York Times, or what did I just say? New York Times? New York Times. The New York (laughs) Times has written. (laughs) And then it also displays a little bit of the article. So to let me know that this is the result I want, it displays the title and it displays like the five sentences that have the words in it that I looked for. And so it's taking copyrighted material, using it for something, displaying part of it to me, running ads by it, making money on it. So it's not it's not like they're stealing the article and just making a new site, although Google does have like Google News which just aggregates news sites, but they're take they're using it and it's it just falls in this gray area where it's like, well, it's copyrighted material, You shouldn't be making money on it. You shouldn't be reusing it. You shouldn't be taking it. But they have to.
1: Well, an article is a really interesting example, right? Because all of the ideas in that article came from somebody's brain. And that, like, that used to be what you put on paper and they pay you to have on a newspaper. Mm -hmm. Now you put it on the web. But putting it on the web makes it inherently, like, the same thing that makes a crawler work, you can't you can't take it away or else the web stops working. Right. So, and, and so the copyright, and it's this weird delicate dance that Google does with all their more powerful clients, because without Google, New York times would get very little traffic. Very none. But if they give up the farm, then, then they get no traffic also, because if there's too much of the article there, then no one leaves Google. They just get the answer that they want right. there, which is interesting partially because it means that the New York Times inherently has no value past the
0: information that they're passing on to you. And if someone which, else takes
1: that information and puts it somewhere else, New York Times right. goes out of business.
0: Right and that's a that's a very interesting philosophical place to go with information. And if you're like a hardcore like I like to I, I just want answers when I'm looking for information and so I kind of believe that. I don't want to read a fluffy article that has like an interesting story in it. I'm just there for the facts, man. Like get this other crap out of my way. Some people really enjoy like sitting down and reading a well-written article and I do too sometimes but You're right. So what is the intrinsic value of all these other things beyond you compiled a fact? Here is your 10 cents. Move along. The idea that, oh, you took my information.
1: You gave it to me. You put it
0: there. You gave it to me,
1: right? Because you got to go back to the first step of everything we outlined here today, which is the whole thing started from people going, you know, if I just post this publicly, I don't have to keep inviting people to look at it. They can just look at it. right? And so people that make content that's compelling enough, they go, well, I'll slap it up here. And this is what TV is. People make content good enough that people tune in to watch it. And so then they can sell eyeballs. Well, the but same... The, go ahead. The inherent <laughs> way that the web works, <laughs> like inherently, you you put it out there in public. And unless it is publicly available, open to
0: everyone, I can't see it. And so I don't think people think through the implications of what's going on when you go to a website, you're basically going to a website, you record their information and copy it and put it on your computer so that you can read it. The same issue happened when all of a sudden TiVo came out, because for the longest time TV was broadcast and your television would display it in real time. And that was it. If you saw it, you saw it. If you didn't, you lost it. And if you take it away, you're taking it away inside of your brain sponge. But now, with with all of a sudden, TiVo <laughs> came out, and people were like, "No, I'm going to record your show. I'm going to fast forward through your commercials," and everyone said, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! That's our information. You can't just put it on your device." So all of a sudden, it's it's the same game that's happening with internet information. Wait, don't you can't take my document? Well, you put it publicly on your website. Wait, but it's on my server. And yeah, but your server sent it to my server. What's the difference? It's it's this concept of like. Fungible interchangeable things and it's the information like the information is the same when it's on my server on your server and an email like Where's the ownership? What's the thing that's even being owned anymore?
1: And I I don't I don't know that I have an answer I just I always kind of go back to that thing of if you post a notice on a tree in the town square and then later you see a guy with a notepad <laughs> writing down the details from that notice you don't run up and slap it out of the guy's hand and go no hey, no that my is notice. my notice you look at it and you remember it or else you get out of
0: here but that like, is breaking copyright i think technically isn't it yeah i mean one of the copy, copy your book. one of the
1: copyrights is reproduction so if you're reproducing it you're violating that right, right. of reproduction so it, and it, they've it... carried that to computers that's how they've taken down online music sharing because Mm -hmm. in order to even if it's streaming you have to create a version of that file on my computer and so i'm exercising a copyright when i stream a file i'm i'm reproducing Mm -hmm. it in order to listen to it on my computer um but yeah it's it's messy and it's confusing and it's and it like but to me it comes to this this broader thing of like the the what would end up being a satisfying answer to the questions that this brings up has to do with the value of data, the value Mm -hmm. of information and who it should belong to, like, and who, or how, you know, how you should be allowed to profit off of it.
0: Mm -hmm. It draws attention to the conundrum that is happening with everything in modern world, which is that the cost to make and everything is coming down. And we've reached a point with things like digital music and news articles and books, not a physical book, but if you put your book online, it's now free to reproduce them. So it takes work to make it one time. And now essentially the cost is zero to distribute that book to the entire world's population. Everyone has a smartphone. It's essentially zero. And so now we have, well, we've built an economy. We've built this. We have these social things that we've agreed upon that have sustained us and allowed us to get to this point. But now all of a sudden, it's like, well, it's free, so we should give it away, probably. But also that then ruins that whole industry that destroys the book industry and that hurts the music industry. And so we're rapidly trying to catch up and like we need to invent new business models or new businesses. And maybe there aren't new business models. Maybe books being free destroys the concept of a book and no one's going to write books ever again. Like what's going to happen? It's a really weird time. And that's happening with everything like with 3D printers are probably going to take the cost, maybe not specifically modern 3D printers, but that concept of like increased, globally available, inexpensive, made immediately manufacturing is going to bring the cost of everything down towards zero. And so eventually all commodities, all goods, all information will essentially be free to distribute to everyone. And then where's where's the opportunity to make money? Where's the opportunity for capitalism to survive or for economics to work the way we've traditionally looked at them?
1: Well, this is one of the things that I've always loved about the mythology of Star Trek, which Me is too. Me included too. in their chronology <laughs> is the invention of the replicator. And once the replicator existed, world peace was like six months around the corner. And Boom, then we were like, what shit, what are need. we going to do? I guess we'll explain, explore the universe.
0: Yeah. And so we're, we're going we're gonna to make sure everyone's taken care of. We're going to produce replicators as quickly as we possibly can, replicate more replicators. And right. All of a sudden, people have everything they need. And well, and that intersects with what we were talking
1: about in a previous podcast about unlimited vacation, right? Like that idea of like, no, go take a vacation if you need to rest is sort mm -hmm. of based on that same idea of we don't need somebody to begrudgingly grind out a particular profession to produce certain things anymore, because we have refined that process to the point that it, it doesn't need to happen. And so there is a certain subset of what they call knowledge workers where what you're doing is is essentially like that. I'll replicate you a cheeseburger. You go, you go fix web problems for me. And mm-hmm. part of that is also, yeah, you can take vacation whenever you want because your your work is not based on you need to be here
0: riveting some
1: shit to some other shit or else it doesn't happen.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, There's definitely a sharp divide between jobs that are using. Basically a job where you are a a machine that's just supposed to repeat things. And then there are jobs that are kind of like, hey, if you're here, you're doing something, you've got something, you're accomplishing something, but it's not, you're not just being like used as an object.
1: Um, The idea of a knowledge worker, and they've always existed because doctors, lawyers, like they're all knowledge workers. But as we move into this age of data and computers and stuff, like you're also a knowledge worker if you can think of a way to use a computer to solve a problem and what you're getting paid for is to have thoughts and that requires sometimes walking in a circle going well i know uh, well what it no uh, i mean oh shit page rank that's how you do this <laughs> you rank them based on how everything is interlinked But like without that thing where you walk in a circle, like that's why they, you know, you hear these stories about like Google and, you know, and they have basketball courts and they encourage you to play. It's because they know that if what you're doing is having a brain that's just processing a problem, you can't say sit here and pound rivets until you have enough rivets. Like you kind of just need to walk around and go think, think, think like Winnie the Pooh and then. Was that Winnie the Pooh that was walking around going think think think? <laughs> I don't know. Piglet, it was one of them. I can picture him doing to solve that. Solve a problem. I think it had to do with half lumps. <laughs> um. <laughs> What's a half lump? But like that's how you get to a problem.
0: <laughs> Deep um,
1: memories. And it just it's you know the place where it intersects in my life mostly in media is like you can see Hulu versus YouTube is is a is a battle of the value of content. Um mm-hmm. and it's like they want, you know, it's it's easier for a company to strangle the delivery mechanism and the production mechanism and use that to make money because they can they can guarantee that people are going to watch it. This is what TV is. I can guarantee that I will have eyeballs at this time because the only way you can see star trek is you tune in at this time when i'm gonna beam it to you and not only did we get rid of the channel where they get to control communication via the internet internet we also like you have everything you need to make a tv show on the smart on your smartphone on the exact same device that you use to consume it can also be used to produce it one to one and it can and then it can then be used to distribute it at almost no cost
0: and this it's what we've created is the ultimate reality reproduction right. and consumption machine. And this is this is a concept that keeps coming back in our podcast. You can recreate everything about our reality with your phone to a certain extent, and then you can share it because everyone else wants to consume as much reality as possible. And this is where I
1: think this is where it's I think weird. we wrap this guy up. It's very up weird. Because it. I, I just like I love the moral that it gets me to every time because people fret about like the state of the economy, right and and what we're seeing now is just a, a, a like a like an, it's it's an epoch, you know, an epochal type of shift <laughs> from this economy based on the delivery of information to an economy that has to be based on the creation of information. And so we're switching from this idea of, information or data or content is created just so you can deliver it and make money to now you got to have the best content so everyone across the world is motivated to make house of cards is motivated to make a better movie is motivated
0: right. you have to get paid for your content rather than so i'm locked in and have will to watch junk it. yes with an exactly. ad exactly and so yeah it's cool it's really good we're driving towards a state of the world where every where everyone's getting rewarded right. for creativity, where all of a sudden you're the thing that you can make money on is writing and making pretty pictures. Humans just want to be entertained. They just want to hear and see and feel what other people are hearing and seeing and feeling. And so it's all becoming this creative space where people are following strangers on the internet but they get a sense of knowing them and experiencing that person's life. And if we build those businesses correctly, which we are, those people then can kind of make money there. They can subsist. They can create a world where where they're just right. sharing with they're literally they're probably most Internet celebrities of which there are probably millions these days probably make their living off of just like being and existing online and having other people follow them. They literally are making their living just like sharing. hey. Here I am, maybe they. Maybe it's fake sometimes, maybe it's totally real, maybe it's because of something sad or something great, but they're kind of just existing because other humans, man, I just really want to I mean, know what other people are up to and how they yeah, feel and what they're doing. We're thinking. doing
1: it right now. I was at, like, ad, what bad, that made me think is there's at least two people that I follow on YouTube who they're really just delivering news. There's like, here's some shit that happened yesterday and what I think about it. They make eight minute videos. They have millions of followers and they make a living off of that shit. And we're kind of doing the same thing. It's just like, Hey, here's a, here's the thing. We're going to talk about it. If you guys dig it, it. stick around. (laughs) Like it, it ties into what we were saying about dungeons and dragons. The reason that people who played dungeons and dragons when they were kids are doing really well right now is because they're leading the way in a transition to an economy where, Good answers and creative ideas win over. Oh, hey, I have a camera and you don't, so I get to make a TV show.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's that's exactly why uh, the content, like television content, is so good right now on these alternative networks, or not even networks; these new systems, Netflix and Amazon, HBO. They've all they've all made that that turn, and I think we've reached the point where that that has been proven successful, and it will drive media in general. In that direction, it's going to be a slow run because people just, still love that stupid fucking yeah. show that's on nerd. What's it called? I hate it. People constantly tell me I should like it. Big fucking Bang, Big Bang Theory. Oh, you must love that show. <laughs> oh, it's so horrible. No,
1: it's about nerds. It's not for it's nerds.
0: for regular people to laugh at nerds. It's not for nerds. Right? It sucks. It's yeah. such a
1: shitty show. We've delivered that explanation and number oh. of
0: times. Cancel your cable. Cut your fucking cable line and only get internet and start watching shows on Netflix and Amazon Prime or HBO Go. You will be so much more enlightened. You will be so much happier (laughs) and you won't have to watch just crap ads anymore. So, so we got to wrap this up because I got to go. You can cut almost everything from the last like five or ten minutes probably.
1: But I'm, (laughs) but I'm saying go Go! Thanks I don't for tuning what in the topic was. for another one. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't. Hey,
1: you hey! Know, if you're still listening, thanks for sticking ramble, around. Ramble, 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 ramble. And uh, go, go make something.
0: Yeah, go, ma- go I'll make. I'll watch it. Send yeah, make some videos. Make some snaps. Anyway, thanks for tuning
1: in, peeps. Uh, you can catch us wherever you found us the first time. I'm not going to ramble off a bunch of social networks. But seriously, go to iTunes, rate and review us. That's the best thing you do to keep this stuff going. And uh, I'm Adam
0: i um, Brian. Have a super duper Saturday. Shit, it's probably not Saturday. Oh, I'm Adam. I'm Brian. Thanks for tuning in. <laughs> Catch us on, on, uh, uh, it worked. I tricked him, it worked.